Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Lunchtime Learnings. I'm delighted today to be joined by Ben Stokes and Michael, I'm sure he's got a surname but he's very shy, of the Elite Consultancy Group. Um, so thank you very much for joining me today, gentlemen. Um, I'm very excited when I saw it as Ben Stokes coming on and you know I'm sure you've never had this before. Um, people wanted to talk about the Ashes with you and that amazing um, century that you scored at um, Headingley. Um, I was very, I was very fortunate enough to, um, when my wife sadly was very ill, um, one of my lovely clients, Jane O'Brien from Eden May, was kind enough to um, organise a very special phone call from England's most famous number eleven, who was also playing in that test. Um, oh, so I'm still very grateful wow. to, to Jane for that, um, which was very kind. So. Ben, Michael, welcome. Thank you for joining mm -hmm. me. Um, congratulations on your exciting news of setting up the Elite Consultancy Group, which more about we will come to um, and tell everybody what it's about. But I just, you've been in the lettings industry, both of you, um, for a number of years. Um, just share your journey with us. How did you get to where you got to? So I'll let you fight who wants to go first. <laughs> no worries. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll happily start. So, so my kind of journey in estate agency started um, pretty much straight from leaving school. So um, I was one of the, the few people that always wanted to be an estate agent. That was kind of my my goal. Um, so I left school, worked in retail for twelve months until I earned enough money to um, pass my driving test. Um, was fortunate that I managed to fast track through that quite quickly and. and um, having written 60 letters to local estate agents, three got back to me and one gave me a foot in the door. And um, at the tender age of 17, I kind of started that career and moved up through the ranks that started with Countrywide. Um, then in the crash um, of the market, um, moved um, to another local agent, which is where I kind of started in my career in lettings. Um, and really from then onwards, I've never really kind of looked back from lettings. I've gone back into sales a couple of times, um, opening new offices that were mothballed during the, the recession. Um, but um, lettings was always kind of where my passion was. And um, then I joined LSL in 2009 um, and kind of my career with LSL then has kind of gone up through the ranks um, to my most recent role that I, I left um, a short while ago um, as lettings director for one of the LSLI brands. Um, and, and really, I, I've always wanted to be in the industry and I've always been passionate about it. So that's kind of how I got where I am today. Brilliant. Thank you. Michael. Yeah, so uh, I think I've probably gone the same route as, as a lot of people in, in the industry. So, again, I was I started out in retail, um, uh, a couple of part time roles in that and then, and then full time roles. And I didn't get into the industry until about 2013 um and i started at uh it was leaders leaders romans group in um in in the local town um uh, just had a very very bad day in retail and decided that it was sort of now or never and i needed a change and i saw a lettings negotiator role and, and, I, and i went for it and i thought i'm probably going to have absolutely no idea what i'm going to do here but let's just let's just go for it and and, and see what happens and and yeah, again, I was very lucky that that person uh, hired me. I did, did a very basic um, 
I think it was a home guide, I think they called it at the time, which was basically a viewing machine. Um, and they just basically sent me out from sort of 9.30 till 5.30 every day. And I just went out and and, and did all their viewings, which um, I quickly loved, um, certainly in the summer, not so much in the winter, but um, I did that for six months, became a lettings consultant um, for just over a year. Um, and then Ben was um, was that so just up the road at one of the LSI brands and, and, and brought me up. And that was in, in 2015, March 15. And I stayed with them until again recently um, making that move. So, yeah, did everything from senior negotiator, um, valuer, assistant manager, branch manager, and then was just overseeing um, the, the, the three lettings offices that, that that brand had. So, um, so, yeah, probably quite a generic journey i think in the property world okay so thank you for sharing both of you i'm sure there's loads of lessons so i'm just going to come back and unpick both of those if that's okay with you so ben 60 mm. letters to three yes. agents you must have been desperate blimey so um yeah. very, very, no, i'm joking but you know i love that straight away so you know you're showing me that you really want it um and what was your reaction when 57 that you didn't hear from? Um, um, because being 17, I would have thought that was um, quite a challenge, unless you're a very resilient, positive, incredible mindset person. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think it taught me a lesson, really, that um, especially as I've kind of gone through my career, that, you know, when someone applies for a job through you, then, you know, you owe them the courtesy of getting back to them. And, um it was something that I think as a 17 year old, it was you know quite difficult because you wanted something so badly, you was willing to give your everything to, to have that opportunity, um, but very few responses. And um, I think it is something that is quite, um, it's something that happens quite a lot out there in, in, within our industry, but also a lot of other industries as well. And um, yeah, so that, that was definitely a lesson that I learned in going into management roles and re recruiting in, in former roles is that actually you have to get back to people even if they're not suitable but also sometimes just giving someone that chance um and letting them get their foot in the door to prove themselves is in a lot of cases better than someone looking great on paper and, and that was kind of always what i i learned along my journey is that the best people sometimes are the people with no experience because you can teach them your way and and, and and kind of coach them to what you what you want them to be so okay brilliant so michael retail what was so what was your bad day then what really made you um leave i, I mean i, I was the, the, it was a it was a diy store that i was i was at and i'd done that since since school had it was it was the part-time role and then i went into it as a full-time um i mean don't get me wrong it was great i had a couple of friends that were there um and looking back at it, it, yeah, it wasn't really work to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, as we as we all know with retail and and customer service, sometimes you know you get that that bad day. And I think it was just it was just one thing after another that could have gone wrong, did go wrong. And and after being there for I think it was nearly six years, um, yeah, it was just it was. I think it was that kind of that time to to make a change and try and find a career i think was 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 really the goal um 
I didn't know that lettings was going to be the career. If I'm honest, at, at school, I was, I couldn't think of anything worse than being stuck in an office, <laughs> to, to, to be brutally honest. But, um, and I think I was quite lucky with the role that I, I got hired for was I managed to learn enough about the industry and, and kind of slowly by, by also not being kind of in that office environment. So I was, like I said, I was out on the road pretty much most of the day. Um, what, so yeah, I think what I'm really did fortunate. You learn from being that um, viewing um, machine. I think, I think, and one that probably sticks with me now is you, 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 you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're actually going to be speaking to. Um, and I, and again, not really being from that that kind of thought sort of background previously. I think I learned very quickly that actually, you know, that that next person that you're speaking to, you're going to meet and show around is, you know, is that potential next landlord, it's the potential next deal. Um, and I, again, I learned very quickly that just to be very open minded with with absolutely everybody and really build the rapport with them very, very early on. Um, and, and build that relationship, which um, I didn't do before because in, in the role that I was in previously it was where's this item and it's over there and that was and that was the end of the conversation so okay so actually I mean this job is a roller coaster we have good days and we have bad days um, <laughs> so how do you then both of this applies to both of you you know how do you deal with that um, being in a roller coaster? Because I, I, you know, I love what you said. You know, it's that next person, maybe the one that's going to be that next landlord, but they don't know that the last viewing that you had was the most awful viewing with the most vile person ever, who turned up late, gave you stick for you being on time. So we've all been there. Um, how do you both overcome that? Um, I suppose that roller coaster life of being a letting agent. I think for me, that's one of the reasons that I love love the industry is because no day is the same. Every day is different. And yes, there are good days and there are bad days. But actually, when you look at look at industries, a lot of industries are very repetitive. You know, it's just the same thing on the same day each month. Whereas with our role, it, it is very different. And, and whilst you get those ups and downs, um, I think especially in those early days of a career in, in those negotiator roles and then valuer roles is there was more ups than there were downs. Um, and actually meeting new people and meeting all different walks of life from different backgrounds and, and things was for me, my passion. And I think I loved meeting people. And again, that's what I'm enjoying about the, the new roles that we're doing now is, is every day is different. Every um, business we speak to is different. And, um, for me, the the downs actually are where you learn, um, because very often a down, I think it's very easy to look outwards and blame other people, but sometimes you need to, to kind of look at yourself and think, okay, how could I have made that better? Um, so yeah, I'm a firm believer that without the downs, probably I wouldn't be where I am today, and I wouldn't have wouldn't have the experience that I've got um, because if it had all been plain sailing, then it would it would have probably been a bit boring, to be honest. No, yeah, I think I, I think I probably sort of mirror that, but I, I, I think the the biggest thing for me for for lettings, and I've I've never gone into the sales world 
I've always stuck to the to the lettings world is although you've you've got that potentially that person that or that that situation that was bad um, or was a little bit awkward or the, the five ten fifteen an hour later you could be sat in front of someone that is the complete opposite end of the scale and kind of makes you realize actually this is the reason that I'm doing it is to help people like yourself and that was just someone else that was potentially having a bad a bad day or a, or a bad hour and you you just happen to be caught in it but I think it's just it can it can change so quickly you can go from having a bad day to a great day a, a great day to a bad day but it will always come straight back around very very quickly okay lovely opening offices, opening offices. so how's that been you know that, that's a challenge in, in itself recruiting um were they cold offices as well so literally you know there's going to be people watching this that thinking you know what i want to start an office i want to find landlords how do you go about and do that what are your top tips please yeah so um in 2009 i opened um a, an office that was mothballed when, when the market crashed um in 2008 so they mothballed it for about 18 months or so i then went in there and reopened that branch um it was me, myself, and I, um, and uh, and a weekender that helped me for a couple of hours on a Saturday. Um, so you, you had to be very self motivated to do that role. Um, it was one of those that you went into an office on a daily basis, had no one to speak to. Um, but I, thought, I suppose it comes back to that same mentality of writing sixty letters to to get a job. At the beginning of it is, if you wrote to enough people and you put yourself in front of enough people, and and you, you got yourself heard um for the right reasons um you out of 100 you might get one win um which made it all worthwhile so um i suppose my my tips for, for that from the experience of the two offices that i've done from a cold start um that that really were from nothing um is that to have a, a plan um a plan of what you're going going in to do every day because um, if you turn up at nine o'clock every morning, not really knowing what your day looks like, um, it's very, very easy to to get very bored and and kind of lose focus of what you're there to achieve. Um, so I suppose that would be my main tip would be to have a plan of what you're going to do each day and keep it varied. Um, don't plan to do six hours worth of prospecting in a day because by hour two you you'd be fed up um and you know keep it varied um keep it fun because ultimately if you're not enjoying work you, you're not you're not going to see it through so um and i think the world's changed a bit now to what what it was when i did that in 2009 um and i think it was 2000 and halfway through 2010 the second one i did um the world is a different place with video and and kind of the way that we network and things now but um you know, equally back then, I think that the principles were the same is you, is you just had to to put yourself out there, step out that comfort zone and um, you'll get some knocks along the way, but equally you will, there will be some wins to happen. Okay, Michael, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think as Ben said, it's, it's, it's certainly keeping yourself focused. Um, I had a it wasn't a i didn't open an office it was it was uh, it needed kind of growing so it's a part of my role before i left it was was to to kind of really grow that that office and take it or try and take it to the to the next level when um i certainly had to kind of treat it as if it was a cold start 
um, or, or, or a new office to, to do that. It had it had a portfolio, like I said, um, but it was that taking it to the next stage. And I think certainly putting yourself out there and, and not being afraid to to have conversations um, with with the landlords or, or, or with tenants or anybody that kind of was coming into the office at the time um, and just sort of give them the knowledge that you've got and show them that, you know, it's, I guess it's the, it goes back to the customer service as well. I think it's give them the customer service that you would expect. And, and sometimes that's, that's all they want um, to, to be honest. But yeah, I think, I think staying focused and like I said, I think getting the knowledge and, and what you know out there and, and speaking to, to people and getting that across is, is also very, very key. Okay. Thank you. So getting out of your comfort zone i won't embarrass my family family member but we were discussing this last night so he's just he's just started a new job um and he said he's had a couple of networking events and he finds it very hard to step out of that comfort zone and you mentioned um videos there as well and a lot of people um really struggle to do videos now i've got face for radio and i don't care so and you're not meant to laugh at that point okay <laughs> uh, so any tips to get people out of their comfort zone to just to just do it <sighs> and correct me if i'm wrong ben but i mean this is this is this certainly falls into the category that I, I'm I'm certainly in anyway, and I think me and Ben have had this conversation many times where, yeah, video and, and comfort zones and getting out there is is, is something we've really had to embrace and, and do. I think certainly for me, it's just don't overthink it. When I if I plan to do something or or to do one of the, a video, I will do anything I possibly can. To delay that and delay that and then i'll overthink it and then it's just I, i've i've got yeah i've got half my camera roll is now bloopers and three second videos of it all going wrong so i would certainly say if you get an idea you get something that you want to say it pull up the phone pull up the camera just get it out there get it on the phone and and, and just do it don't don't overthink it yeah, and likewise, I'm I'm in exactly the same position. The video um, putting myself out there in public is something that um, doesn't come natural. Um, but equally, when I do do it, I quite enjoy it. So I actually quite quite like public speaking, although I'm a nervous wreck beforehand. Um, and you know, we've done a couple of landlord seminars in the past, which um, I kind of think is very similar in that beforehand I can think of nothing worse but actually when I'm out there doing it actually I really enjoy it and I think as Michael say that says the biggest thing for me was that fear of the unknown and out of my comfort zone but um, I think I've always been worried about what people are going to think and what people going, are going to say but actually what I've learned over the last couple of months is actually if people are talking about it and and regardless of what people are saying as long as as long as you're portraying yourself in the right way and the information you're giving is correct then really there is there really isn't no bad thing in that people are talking about it because it means you're getting noticed for the right reasons hopefully um go on sorry ben carry on and i think that for me is the biggest hurdle i've had to overcome myself is does it matter what people think as long as you're doing yourself 
you, you're being credible in what you're saying. Um, some people are going to agree, some people are not going to agree, but ultimately, if you're getting noticed, that's a positive. A hundred percent. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is, would you rather speak to 10 people in an hour or have 10,000 people view you in an hour? And, you know, the power of Facebook and video, you know, most people will come back and say 10,000. Well, you know, as for Michael, as you rightly said, pick up your phone, um, do it um, and get it out there. And I think you're spot on demonstrate your knowledge of, um, you know, lettings, knowledge of compliance, um, knowledge to landlords, actually why they should be, why they should be using an agent to manage rather than self-managing it. I mean, from my understanding, you've got a minimum of 174 different legislations out there. Um, I'm not going to ask you to name all of them. You'd be pleased to know <laughs> just yet. Maybe you come back to that later. So, um, you know, landlords are looking for experts out there. Landlords are looking for people that want to maximise their investment, um, want to find them good tenants. Um, um, one of the things that you talked about there, actually, land, landlord seminars, you know, I think it's an exceptional way of demonstrating your knowledge um, and getting the right people in there. So would you mind, what does a good landlord seminar look like to you? And how do you actually get people to come along um, to mm. be there? So I think a landlord seminar is um, very often portrayed as you as the agent stood on a stage for two or three hours just talking at an audience, which when we did it, that wasn't how we done it. We, we we tried to create a little bit of a, a conference, a little bit like a industry conference you'd go to now is. So yes, there was myself and Michael speaking um, and other members of the team speaking to the audience about core subjects, whether that be changing legislation, um, best practice. But we also invited those third party contractors that we work with on a daily basis and an extended part of our team into um, the landlord seminar as well. So as an example, we had an inventory provider giving some HHSRS um, guidance on what landlords should consider and how they should cover themselves, the importance of an inventory. We had our local plumbing um, company there who did 90% of all of our plumbing. Um, and it meant that our landlords could then meet the plumbers that we were instructing on their behalf and, and talk to them so they can see that we're employing credible people. Um, we had a tax advisor there to talk to our landlords. So, you know, all those questions as agents, we say, sorry, we can't answer that. We're, we're not tax advisors. You can show them that we've got that network of people. Um, so I think it all round, if we're talking, if you're talking about doing a landlord seminar, A, it gets all your landlords in one place. So it gives you an opportunity that if you've got a sales department to see if they're looking to invest further, um, you get your third party contractors involved and make it a real varied, interesting and engaging evening or day or um morning whatever whatever you want to do um so it doesn't become something that people are sat in a room in in rows waiting for it to end and i think sometimes that's a, a trap that we fall into is that we just need to talk at people with information whereas if you keep it varied keep it a bit different um i think people get a lot more out of it and actually all, all you're looking to do is um generate an interest from someone whether it be looking to invest in another property or something that they're not doing with their current portfolio and that then spurs conversations on thereafter so that networking um opportunity within that seminar is also as important as the the kind of key speakers brilliant thank you um 
contractors. So I know a few people really struggle to get contractors. Um, have you got any suggestions as to how to find a trusted, decent contractor who hopefully will turn up on time and not be doing 37 jobs at the same time? <laughs> I think, yeah, and, and certainly something that we've, Ben and I, uh, learned over the years, um, with certainly with contractors, is probably... <sighs> You kind of need to manage their expectation with with a lot of a lot of things. I mean, you you get some that will absolutely, and we did. We we got some that as soon as you you know we try and get onboarding, we will say from a letting agent, they say absolutely not. It takes too long. X Y and Z. Um, but again, I think it's just building that relationship with with them, managing their expectation in terms of you know access with with invoicing and payments and things like that as well because sometimes the payments have to come in from from landlords and things like that so they're, they're not always money's not straight in the, the bank the next day but i think the, the success that we had with ours um uh, and certainly when i was doing it was we got them into the office we had a chat we kind of went through all the, the pros and the cons and I mean, we were fortunate, you know, we were, we were in-house property management department at the time. And it was just kind of, again, making sure that they were aware that we were supporting them. And if they, we would try and help them if they can't get access, we would try and make sure that they, they did and kind of just make them probably, be, as Ben said, feel part of your team. And that extended part of your team really is that they're not going out there necessarily, that they're still representing you as a business and a company. So they need to be treated really as kind of an, an extended team member. Um, so yeah, we, we used to get them involved in quite quite a bit, to be honest with you, and you know, just on the social side of things as well, and and trying meals out and, and, and Christmas parties and things like that. So yeah, I think I think it's just like I said, making them feel part of the team, and and they will. Uh, I think they respond quite well to that and they will help you out in those sticky situations um, that, that sometimes you find yourself in. So, Thank you. Um, one of the questions that I asked a lot is um, self-managed landlords. How can you convert them into a fully managed landlord for you? Uh, so it's, it's always a question that um, we've asked ourselves over the years and I think self-managed landlords are landlords that have historically perhaps done it as their sideline um, landlords that have always known what they were doing um, but I think the lettings world has got so complicated now and it is driven so much by legislation and compliance that even the, the bigger private landlords that um, have done it for years are struggling to keep up with it they're struggling to ensure that things are done as it should be 100% of the time. Um, so I think with those let only landlords or those self-managed landlords, it's it's continuing to maintain a relationship with them. I think where a lot of agents go wrong is that they, they do that, what it says on the tin, they let it and then they hand it back and then they don't speak to them again for another three years. And then there's no loyalty to that agent um, by that landlord because three years have passed there might have been four or five different staff changes or promotions and actually they're not familiar with anyone within the business so um i think it's 
really important that you maintain a relationship, check in with them every six to 12 months, um, you know, highlight the things that they should be doing, ask them if they've um, repaid deposits, if it's dropped periodic, if necessary, and ask them all of those core things that you would do as, as the managing agent. And if the answer is no, it's just kind of highlighting to them the things that they're not doing. And I think if if you over a period of time build that trust with them at the point where they do decide, no, I can't manage anymore, whether that be next week or in five years time, they're going to pick the phone up to you rather than ring up and down the the local agent list on Google and, and, and see who offers them the best deal. Um, they will come to you because that trust is there. And I think with those clients that don't want you to manage it in the first instance, if you build enough trust over the time at some point, they will want you to manage it whether but that could be 10 15 years down the line okay michael anything else to add please yeah i, I think i think just, just kind of probably echo ben is is it's quite easy to like, say to, to kind of forget that you know it's, it's, it's let only and we'll, we'll deal with it and it comes around in 12 months time but it, it, it's just about nurturing that relationship um helping them out in in, in again situations that they might find themselves in um and just kind of make them feel comfortable that if anything goes wrong during that tenancy they can pick up the phone certainly something that i used to to say to them was if you want to go you know self-manage that's absolutely fine we're still your agent at the end of the day you can pick up that phone at any stage and ask us for advice and and whatever else you need in, in terms of that so so yeah i think it's just nurturing that relationship and I'm probably thinking slightly bigger bigger picture and longer term that at one stage they will they will turn around and say yeah look after it for me okay one of the things that i think um, as well and i agree actually with um let owners i don't see much of a stay in touch policy at all but one of the things that does work is 21 days after the tenant moves in is for that um letting agent to give them a call the landlord just to see how the tenant settles in because so i think after the first 21 days you know whether you've got a good tenant or a bad tenant and if they've had 21 days of a tenant phoning them up i'm locked out again um, yeah three o'clock in the morning um that's an opportunity and i think again after the first month's rent is due um yeah. is another opportunity to have that stay in touch policy and you know you're not going to win every time but obviously you're ahead of the other agents that aren't, aren't doing that sort of thing that are waiting for those 12 months so that seems to work well it always amazes me how many agents don't do renewals for let only clients or don't offer that as a service because um it's something that we always did is we always did renewals on every let only client and offered that as a service because it, it was that opportunity to then speak again um, and it was something that then flagged on your system even if it was a reminder service to them it helped whereas um, one of the things that I've really noticed going into other businesses now and, and helping them is the minute they move in in a lot of cases that's the last they deal with that file it literally gets archived on the system and it's as if it never existed um, so yeah I think renewal renewals um, and as you say, those initial key trigger points within that tenancy are really, really important. Okay, so you talked about your new business. So let's talk about that. Um, tell us a little bit about that um, and what you're doing and how you're helping letting agents, um, I suppose, generate more revenue for their agencies. Um, yeah, so um, so Elite Consultancy Group has been um, designed to support the industry. Um, Mike and I are very passionate about 
helping improve standards across the industry. Um, and one of the areas that, that um, we really enjoy is that kind of acquisition world and doing that due diligence audit and going in and and, and checking out a book for, for that potential buyer or potentially for the seller to um, help them maximize the value of that book as well. Um, we're really, um, so, so one of our core services going in and doing that internal audit or due diligence audit for a buyer. Um, and, and what that looks like is going in and, and assessing what the, what the agent are currently doing what gaps there are with, with their compliance within their best practice and with their processes, and then what they need to do in order to plug those gaps. And um, and also then looking ahead and how, how do we incorporate new income streams and, and make that a more profitable entity. Um, okay. and, and in a nutshell, I suppose that's what we're doing in, um, and we're soon to, to, to launch a, a new service, which is kind of a, a hybrid um, compliance manager, um, outsource compliance management solution. So um, that that's imminent. Good. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I wish you both luck. Um, just before we go, a couple of other questions, if that's okay with you. So mm -hmm. um, learning yourselves. So what do you listen to? Any good books? Any good podcasts that you can recommend? Yeah. So this is. <clears throat> And this is something that I've again this world I've kind of gone into too recently is is, is certainly since doing this and, and you know having the time that I've never had to so I, I just I go for walks in the morning just before because I don't have to now sit in the car for uh, x amount of minutes in in in, in most days or in some days which I'm I'm very lucky about so I'll just you know go for a quick walk and yeah it's, it's something I've looked into something I've certainly started to listen to is the the high performance podcast um uh, and, and in the minute if i'm honest i'm just kind of probably going through and trying to find the ones that sort of probably relate to to the world that i'm now getting myself into and and, and things like that um but yeah for me at the moment that's probably the kind of the one that i'm i'm sticking to is the high performance podcast and you know the, the non-negotiables and the habits and and just trying to Sort of getting that kind of mindset on a on a on a daily and weekly basis at the moment. Good. Before I come to you, Ben, uh, Michael, I've had the pleasure of having um, Damien Hughes on my podcast twice. Um, so, wow. and he was exceptional. And actually, Ben, you talked about um, standing up in front of people uh, a landlord seminar. I cannot tell you how nervous I was. I don't think I slept the night before knowing I had Damien Hughes on my podcast. And I learned a massive lesson there. And actually, David was very gracious and very humble. And he is a very humble person. And he just said to me, Stephen, do you know what? I'm just an ordinary person, just like you. And I've had the um, pleasure um, to interview some phenomenal people. And all I'm doing is sharing it. And I'm just sharing it with you and, and all your listeners as well. And, you know, he just made me feel so comfortable. So, um, you know, obviously when you're going to finish this and on your next walk, you're going to go to Lunchtime Learnings and find Damien Hughes and listen to him twice. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think I think why and I've started to kind of enjoy these and understand why people listen to them is, is, is they are just about helping everybody and the people that are listening. Um, 
trying to extract the right information and 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 if one small part of that podcast or, or you know speaking to that that person or that whoever it is makes a difference to that person i think that's 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 why they're they're so good and it's certainly something that i will continue to to, to listen to but no i'm i'm quite jealous that you've uh you, you've had him on to be honest with you twice so so yeah there's a lesson there ask and you'll be surprised <laughs> yeah so um you know absolutely um, i i was very surprised when he said yes so i i'll share a secret so i sent him a linkedin connection and he replied saying you know if there's anything i could ever do to support you and within 30 seconds i was on the telephone saying you just replied to my linkedin message um i've got this podcast um would you be kind enough to come on and he was gracious enough to say yes and the rest is history but in life i think if you don't ask you don't get so you know even if you said no it was like do you know what i've tried it's you know never having yeah. any regrets and that's it so no it's, it's acceptable ben what's your favorite um so, so i'm not really much of a reader um to be honest um and so i'm probably the same the, the podcast is something i've recently discovered um, I've been watching the, the, the diary of the CEO of um, Stephen Bartlett. I've been I've been listening to some of that. Not a great deal so far, to be honest. But that's always um, really interesting. I find that that's something that um, that is definitely something that I, I kind of can see how that helps. And um, for me, I'm, I'm quite. I feel like the personal side of things is is where I'm at probably my best is kind of the networking side of things is 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 what I've enjoyed the most and probably what I do more of is try and get to myself into that position where I'm going to an Isla conference or I'm I'm putting myself in a group of people that that have a, a common interest. But yeah, because I'm not much of a reader. The podcasts are very, very, very new to me, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, no, I think for my learning and, and things, it's it's going on to different webinars and whether it be industry specific or or not but you know just just trying to gain as much information as possible and and, and getting to as many social networking events as, as i can okay so apart from you two obviously who else do you think is worth a follow in the lettings industry oh blimey um you know there's there's, there's lots of people within the lettings industry that uh, are great um i suppose the people for us that have, have been massive champions of us and, and helped us along our journey um lucy noonan's been amazing um someone we worked with previously um has supported us and helped us get to this point um megan 18 um obviously very very well known in the industry so again someone that we're we're fortunate enough to have called a, a colleague previously um all of which are people that are on the end of our phone if ever we have a question something that we're not quite sure of um for us them two people in particular stand out as people that um are kind of lettings gurus although albeit two very different sides of, of the industry um they're very much our go-to people and i think people that um we massively support and, and we're fortunate enough to be supported by them as well Okay, brilliant. Well, look, yeah. really grateful for your po for both your time today. So, thank you. How do people get hold of you and find you and track you down? Michael's going to say video, obviously. Uh, 
Um, so, so yeah, um, um, the new website's all now been launched, um, which is eliteconsultancygroup.co.uk. Um, our LinkedIn pages, both our personal ones and um, the Elite Consultancy Group LinkedIn page, um, and telephone numbers are all on there as well. Um, so phone, emails, um, LinkedIn, um, by any of those methods, we're available pretty much all of the time and happy to talk about anyone's um, needs, whether it be their own agency, one they're buying, or or, or just want some general advice. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. I wish you, you massive, massive success in your journey, and I look forward to following it and seeing your successes and seeing your growth. So thanks very much, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Speak to